one of us before Jesus was this we had thoughts that were futile it gave way to a darkened understanding because we had this darkened understanding we were alienated from the life of God we end up living this stuff out with lewdness and uncleanness so we need to be put off by that we're saying look I'm leaving that and know what I love about the Bible is the Bible just doesn't say okay look you guys are all jacked up your culture's jacked up the Bible doesn't say that does it but the Bible like a good surgeon identifies the problem before the prescription is given. If you're old enough to look back at your high school yearbook picture and cringe, you're old enough to have seen how styles change. Every day of our lives, we're changing. and There's no change as profound as the one when a person goes from rebellious sinner to follower of Jesus. In this message, we'll seek to throw off our old ways of living and put on Jesus style. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 17, with part one of our message entitled, Style the Map. Everybody has a little bit of style. <laughs> it just makes me laugh just thinking about it, actually. Everybody has their own style, Right? And if you think about what style is, style is just a way of approaching the world, a way of doing something. Often style is based, we think of style, we think of fashion style. I remember when uh, Lynn and I, we, we didn't go on a honeymoon when we first got married because, I mean, for her, marrying me is a honeymoon in and of itself, right? <laughs> you, She's here, she's like. When we got married, my wife had just did some time with YWAM in Fiji, and she was not looking to go out of the country. And I remember, and then we, we had Obadiah really quickly, and then, you know, we decided later, before we had our daughter Maranatha, that we were going to go on our honeymoon, so we decided to go to Italy. And so Lynn was about uh, six months pregnant at that time. You know, great, you know, going on a vacation to Italy when you're like six months pregnant. But, well, you know, when you go to Italy, if you've ever been there, Especially when you go to a place like Florence, which we visited, everybody in Florence has some really amazing style. Like, we were just like Americans. We're in, you know, sneakers and, and jeans and just like, you know, just comfort. But everyone in, in Florence, we felt completely underdressed because everyone was like done up to the hilt. Everyone looked perfect. They had the perfect shirt on. So when you think of style, the style is the way you choose to do something, a distinctive appearance. And everybody chooses their styles based on what they value. And so, you know, when you, when you look at the way people present themselves, you're like, okay, I can tell a little bit about who they are based on their style, how they do what they do, what is important to them. Now, what's interesting about it is that when you think about the Christian life, Christianity is meant to have a very specific style to it. Although there's great diversity within the people of God. There are certain characteristics that all of God's people, because of the finished work of Jesus, are meant to have. And if you listen to the critiques of people who are outside of Christianity, 
about Christians, oftentimes it's because they know how we are, what our style ought to be. And when it's not, they're very comfortable with telling us where we've fallen short. I think what's interesting about that, not that I think that it's okay because that mirror goes both ways. And they definitely don't like it when Christians say, well, you shouldn't be doing these certain things. But they're very happy to critique us. But what I think is unique about it is that it's almost as if the, the world around us knows what Jesus was about and what we ought to be. And when we fall short, they, they're like, hey, you should know better than that. And so today's message I've entitled Style in the Mess because life is messy, but the people of God are meant to have a distinctive quality to who we are. And this is one of those texts, and I want you to open up in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be taking the second half of that chapter. So if you're new to the, to the Bible, I'll get you there. Listen, the book of Ephesians, it's, it's about the last quarter of your Bible there. So about two-thirds of the Bible is what we call the Old Testament. Then you have the New Testament, which has got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then the book of Acts which tells the story of how the Holy Spirit moved through the early church. And then you have these letters. Primarily, they were written by Paul, but some of the other apostles to these different churches. And so Ephesians, it's towards the beginning of those letters. You have Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, and the book of Galatians, and then Ephesians, and then chapter 4. Life is messy, but God's people should have a certain style. And what's challenging about this type of, or this part of the letter is it's almost as if the Apostle Paul, in a lot of his writings, it's almost like he has like a, like a laser-focused gun. He's just nailing these certain things. Very specific. It's like one shot hits the bullseye. Now in this part, now he kind of, he's got like a machine gun. He's just kind of spraying the wall. And the problem with that is, is that if we have hearts that are open to God's word, we all get nailed in a text like this. There's a bunch of lists. There's a bunch of, hey, all these different things. And what I've found in my own life as a Christian is that oftentimes I don't struggle with one thing, but somebody else does. So I'm listening to the word, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I wish my spouse was here. I wish this person was here. I wish my friend was here. And if that text is not drilling down into your own personal struggle, then you can kind of like not really listen to it because it's not really your deal. But when the, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, starts spraying the wall, everybody gets nailed because there's, there's always something in it for everybody. And this part of the text is like that, where it's like he's going to hit all these different things and we're all going to find ourselves being like, okay, how's my style in light of these words? So let's just jump right on in. So Ephesians chapter 4, picking up in verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ." If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man who grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, 
and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I'm going to break this section up into two halves because that's really the way the Apostle Paul does it. First, he says, this is what I don't want you to be. And then he says, this is what I do want you to be. And then the rest of our study today will be a, an elongation or a deeper dive into some specifics. So it begins with this kind of a concept that we should be put off by our former style. Be put off by your former style. Be put off by your former style. Now, I'm using a play on words here. Because if you notice, the idea once you get to verse 22 and following is that we should put off our old conduct, our former conduct, and we should put on something new. So the overarching picture here is that we should remove dirty clothes and we should be clothed with fresh garments. So that's where the put off comes from. Now, I use the word that we should be put off by our former style because it's kind of a play on words. When you think of being put off by something, it's kind of like, ooh, I, that's not okay. I, I don't want to do that. And, and part of the Christian life is being able to look at who we are and being put off by what it is. And the reason we're put off by what we do, and I notice I'm not saying be put off by what other people do. We should be put off by what we do because what we're doing is not in line with who Jesus is. Okay? So we should be, we should be put off by our former style. Now, look at how the Apostle Paul gets at this. He says that you should, in verse 17, no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, what he's saying here is to the church in Ephesus, you were raised like the average person in that day, the average Gentile. You grew up in what we would call today the Greco-Roman world. The whole way that the culture functioned, that was just the norm. It's amazing to think that just the way, for those of you who've been born and raised here in America, there's a way that you are taught and socialized to live here in America. In the same way, although with a whole bunch of different characteristics, 2,000 years ago, the church in Ephesus were raised in a Greco-Roman world that had all sorts of characteristics. And so he begins, he's like, look, you used to walk just like everyone else. Now I don't want you to walk that way anymore. There was a style that you lived according. And what's interesting is if you update it to today, we're proud to be raised in a free country, but not everything about how we were raised and what we value is actually biblical. It's not. And so we have to say, look, we're grateful to be Americans. We're grateful to be whatever your nationality is, but we are a new people created in Christ. And whatever doesn't line up, whatever doesn't line up with God's word and God's heart, even if we like it and we prefer it, we still have to discard it because our greatest allegiance is to who? Is to God. And God supersedes nations and cultures. He reigns supreme over them. So it begins with that you should put off that former conduct. You used to walk like the rest of the people around you. Notice, in the futility of your minds. Verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God 
because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, you notice these three verses. It's Paul's rough. When he talks about the former style of the Ephesians, and I would go so far as to say our former style, and whoever we are, as people before we came to know Jesus, there's this very honest take on what we were. And notice it begins with the futility of their minds. It begins with what we think, how we think, what we value. And so it begins with the thoughts. You know that old saying, I think, therefore I am? There's a partial truth in there. Because how we think drives what we do and who we are. Did you ever watch a, a TV program, and especially these reality TV programs, and people are making a case for why they're acting the way they're acting, and you're always like, I can't believe they think that, that they think that's an acceptable way to be? Like, yeah, so you just overturned the table because someone didn't answer your question, and that's, that's the right way to be? But they thought that that was the right thing to do, so they did it. So it begins with what we think about. And so God is in the process for each one of us of renewing our minds. But what we think about, the futility of our thoughts, gives way to having an understanding that's darkened. So you see, it begins with the thought life, and then it moves to an understanding about the world. So an understanding is the integration of thoughts. So if your thought life is futile, then it will bring, give way to a darkened understanding. And once you have a darkened understanding, of course, we're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of the heart. So I hope we all realize that what we think about and what we understand and what's in our heart and our actions, you can't really isolate them. They're all integrated together. They all come together. They flow in the same direction. So it begins with a thought life, then it gives way to an understanding that's darkened. And because that understanding is darkened, now we're alienated from the life of God because of the blindness that's in our hearts. And when we have a blind heart that's alienated from the life of God, notice, who being past feeling, verse 19, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So you see how this thing progresses, right? Futile thoughts, darkened understanding, a blindness of heart which shows an alienation from the life of God, and then it plays itself out into being completely calloused. You see what it says there in verse 19? It says, being past feeling, and then you give yourself over to lewdness and all these things. So you see the progression that happens in the human heart, and it is a progression, it's progressive. If you want another example of this, I want to encourage you in your own time to read Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. Romans 1, 18 to 32. The Apostle Paul amplifies this, but says the exact same thing, that because the people want a different way, God gives them over to what they want, and then it progresses, and it progresses, and it progresses all the way out. And ultimately, it ends up for us with an alienation from the life of God, and in ignorance. Because you see what it says in verse 18. Because of ignorance that is in them. Now, ignorance is bliss, but it's not a virtue. Ignorance may be bliss, but it's not a virtue. I always say ignorance may be bliss, but it's still ignorance. 
And there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than because of the way that we've been raised and there's never been an arresting of this progression, all of a sudden you end up in lewdness with uncleanness and grease. Now, what is lewdness? Lewdness is doing something that you should be ashamed of, but doing it outwardly and openly because you don't even realize that it's shameful. That's what lewdness is. Lewdness is, I shouldn't be okay with what I do, but I am so far past feeling that I just do it openly and outwardly and I don't even care. Now, I don't want to be, you know, like kind of alarmist, but that sure sounds a little bit like the culture that we live in, doesn't it? Where we live in a day and age where people, there, 50 years ago, people would never do this stuff in public. And now it's like, man, it's, what's the problem? What's the problem? This is the problem. Because the reason we live in a culture that can do things outwardly that other generations would never do is not because we've become more conscious or more spiritual or more aware. We've just become more callous and ignorant to who God is. And that's why it's the way that it is. That's why we need to be put off by our former style. Because I'm here to tell you, Every single one of us find ourselves in these verses in different ways. Every one of us before Jesus was this. We had thoughts that were futile. It gave way to a darkened understanding because we had this darkened understanding. We were alienated from the life of God. We end up living this stuff out with lewdness and uncleanness. So we need to be put off by that. We're saying, look, I'm leaving that. And know what I love about the Bible is the Bible just doesn't say, okay, look, you guys are all jacked up. Your culture's jacked up. Sorry, have a good day. Enjoy it while you're here. The Bible doesn't say that, does it? But the Bible, like a good surgeon, identifies the problem before the prescription is given. Do you see that? Could you imagine if a doctor came in and says, look, I got to put you into surgery right now. What's your next question? Why? And then if the doctor tells you why, then maybe you go get a second opinion or whatever. But the reason this surgery has to happen is because you understand what the problem is. And so the Bible is very clear. This is the diagnosis. This is the problem. And now I'm going to give you the solution. I'm going to recommend the surgery. And then it shifts in verse 20 because it says, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct, verse 22, the old man who grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So just as before we were supposed to be put off by our former style, now we have your new style is Jesus' style. Your new style is Jesus' style. Your new style is Jesus' style. Now, let me explain to you how I got that because it's beautiful. The Apostle Paul tells his church, listen, don't be the way you used to be. Don't be the way that you were raised, right? Be totally different. And then in verse 20, he says, but you have not so learned Christ. Look at verse 21. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, the reason that the church in Ephesus and you and I change is because of Jesus. Not only is the truth in Jesus, we've learned Jesus, we've heard him, we've been taught by him, and the truth is in him. 
So the life of a follower of Jesus is Christocentric, Jesus-centered. And all of the changes that happen in our lives come from the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done and how he is working in and through our lives. That's why we talk here a lot about simply responding to Jesus, right? Because at every moment of your life, because Jesus is real, he is asking us to not be the way we are normally or the way we were raised to be, but be completely different. Because depending on how we were raised, maybe, maybe some of you grew up in really godly homes, but your parents, they loved the Lord, but they were pretty judgmental of everybody else. And that's the downside of growing up in a godly family, is oftentimes Satan always finds a way in. He's really good at this. So you have people, they love the Lord, but you, you look at you like, man, everybody just isn't quite godly enough for you. So you were raised in a good home, but now you have this judgmental spirit, which Jesus doesn't like at all. I mean, he died to save us from judgment, so why are we judging people? So everybody's got, and so he asked each one of us, listen, because of who Jesus is, you need to be put off by the way you used to be, and you're going to be a completely new person. You have to function differently. But Christianity is not some sort of Jesus-centered self-help either. And we're going to get to that. I have nothing against self-help. I actually don't. Because if you have a destructive behavior and you can substitute a destructive behavior with a not destructive behavior, that's a good step. I would never talk down on, hey, I used to do this thing and now I don't do it anymore. I, behavior modification is not bad, but I would also say it's not enough. Behavior modification is not bad, but it is not enough. And that is why, with each passing year, the self-help section in the bookstores gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Because behavior modification is not bad, it's just not enough. Just like with our kids, how many of you are raising children and you realize, oftentimes we just want behavior modification, but God's doing a deeper work. God is asking us to do heart work, not just behavior work. We're content with the behavior change. Don't get me wrong. But behavior modification is not enough. God wants something deeper. So when we realize that God wants something deeper, the, the Jesus-centeredness of this new style is very profound. Because Jesus isn't content just to change, like we used to do this, now we do this. Jesus wants to do a way deeper work, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But notice what it says. Because it's Jesus-centered, he's the subject matter. He is the instructor. That's what you get from verses 20 and 21. And then in verse 22, we get this progression that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. So you put off the old man and then be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and Holiness. So notice the progression, verses 22, 23, and 24. You're to put off, verse 22. Verse 23, you're to be renewed. And then verse 24, we're to put on. So put off, be renewed, put on. Jesus is real. Our style can define us by communicating our values and interests. We can tell something about who people are by their style. When Paul talked about putting off the old man, our old ways, 
It was followed by an exhortation to put on something in its place, Jesus. We should let go of what we've learned up until the moment we became saved and began learning Jesus. From then on, everything we know is informed by Him. Hi, this is Pastor Daniel. I hope that you are blessed as we studied God's Word together today. You know, it is so important that you're in fellowship at a local church. God does amazing things when we gather together in Jesus' name over His Word. So listen, if you live in the Vancouver, Washington area, the Portland metro area, or if you happen to be passing through, we'd love for you to join us at Crossroads on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11.15 or in the middle of the week on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Even if you're not in our area, please reach out and connect with the church family right where you are. Listen, here's Josh with a sneak peek at what I'll be sharing in our next program. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will speak about being renewed in our minds and spirits as believers in Jesus. Being surrounded by the things we used to embrace that constant renewal is vital. We'll find out the characteristics of the new man, Jesus style, a life that's right before God and before man. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Life's Messy Next Time. Until then, may God bless.